Hey guys, Colleen Wolf from NFL Network. And look, you may or may not know I'm from Philly. I'm ride or die Philadelphia, but especially when it comes to sports. So you guys need to check out Mike Small on the Killing Me Smalls podcast. This guy crushes it, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say next. You're killing me, Smalls. This is Ian Rappaport from NFL Network. You're killing me, Smalls. Stay tuned for more from Mike Small. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Killing Me Smalls podcast. I'm your host, Mike Small, and definitely excited about today's podcast and today's guest. I've got Dave Early from Liberty Ballers. Dave has been a part of Sixers Wire, Fan Sided, Maxim, USA Today, all kinds of different uh, parts of his background. So we'll talk about that a little bit, but I'm really excited to talk about the Sixers since St. Mori has come in. <laughs> are the Sixers appreciably better or are they just interesting because they've had some addition by subtraction? I've got a lot of mailbag questions. Let's have a lot of fun with this. But first, Dave Early, welcome to the Kill How you doing? podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, thanks for reaching out, having me on. You know, uh, I'm a fan of yours on Twitter. I follow you for a while now. So, Yeah, I, I, and I think it's mutual. I really enjoy some of the work that you've done. You've had some great podcasts lately, especially with Ben Dietrich and um, oh, thank your you. own Weitzman. You, you really have done a, a really good job. And you know bef- you know what? Usually we do the plugs at the end. Why don't you tell everybody how to follow you and, and, and listen to your podcast? Because it's really good. Oh, thanks. Um, you could follow me on Twitter at David Early, like early morning. D-A-V-I-D-E-A-R-L-Y on Twitter. Um, my podcast lately is called No Particular Hurry on LibertyBallers.com. Yeah, it's really, really good, and I would advise it. So, Dave, talk a little bit. Let, let's talk about you for a couple minutes, and then let's really dive into the Sixers. Your background is really interesting. You've been with a lot of different groups, as I mentioned a few minutes ago. Talk a little bit about what you're doing now with Liberty Ballers and, and what you feel uh it, what direction you feel the site is headed, et, et cetera? It's there. It's a lot of fun to work with. Um, I think one of the most fun parts is our uh, sort of off the record Slack chat that we have with the writers, where we talk about. You know, that that's kind of a place for us to to vent so, some of the stuff we don't actually write, you mean and stuff also, we don't get to hear. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Huh. We might we might vent some of the not not safe for work stuff, <laughs> and we. Like I kind of use it as a sounding board sometimes. Like I'll I'll put in an idea that I have out there, and I'll see if that get pushed back, and then I'll see if that pushback is right, and maybe I was wrong. And so it, it's a good uh, it's a good sort of wisdom of the crowds, oligarchy of smart smart voices that we have. Um, and it's useful for me. I, sometimes I won't do writing unless I've ran it by a few of my um, few of my site mates. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think it's headed in a good direction. I think we probably collectively, sort of like you guys at the Painted Lines, might have sounded a little mm-hmm. depressed not long ago. And there's been a sort of influx of excitement lately with with landing someone as exciting as Daryl Morey. So you're trying to say as a Philadelphia fan, we might be reactionary? <laughs> I think, I, I think, so I grew up in New York and I grew up, uh, as a Knicks fan. And I think there's a marked contrast between the two fan bases. Like people make jokes about it on Twitter. I'm sure you've seen some of them. Absolutely. Knicks fans will see just a steaming hot pile of garbage 
and think there's a lot of hope here. Sixers fans will see a 53 win team and think, I hate, I hate the best player. We have to blow it up. <laughs> Let me go on Twitter and vent that this one sucks at shooting and this one's out of shape and I hate the coach. And there's, you know, there just feels to me like a big difference between the two fan bases. From no, a, I think like, that's true, but I think you also have to realize for those of us who are a little bit older, you know, who grew up with a steaming pile of garbage when you're talking, <laughs> you know, from the day that Charles Barkley was, even when Charles Barkley was here, the, those teams right. were never any good. And then, you know, you're looking at um, Andre Miller, who's a pretty good player surrounded by Drek. And then, you know, the most, and then you have Clarence Weatherspoon and Andre, the Andre Iguodala teams. You and knew Dana it was Barros. Dana yeah. Barrow. So you're talking yourself into all, you know what? It, I'm in sales also. I used to, you know, we've talked about my background that um, I used to be a sports anchor and radio host, et cetera. But I've been in sales for a long time. And and before satellite radio, mm-hmm. you know, I would listen to ESPN radio and they had like mm-hmm. the sports babe and people like that. And if you just got a Sixers mention during the trade deadline, it was exciting <laughs> because, wow, maybe they'll do something. And they were just never relevant. So the fact that they're relevant is actually super fun. They, I mean, they really rebounded in the last seven years. Like they have mm-hmm. been so relevant. I, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, like, well, you've got two I, really marketable stars. Yeah. And, well, and, and in the case of uh, Simmons, well, and, and in the case of both of them, really, you know, two very polarizing and lightning rod type stars. It's been so wild. I mean, the, the, like you said, two lightning rod superstars. One's dating a, a Kardashian. Mm-hmm. One's dating a what a Victoria's Secret model. Yep. And and then you have like you know you've got stuff, and then they're not even a story for a while because you got Markel Fultz for getting out of shoot. You got the tenth <laughs> pick in the draft, which turns into the sixteenth, and Zaire Smith who almost dies, and it's almost like a blip on everyone's radar. Oh right. Yeah. But if that were Another team that would be a huge story for like two straight years. You forgot the uh, general manager who decided to tweet out everything that he's thinking and heard, and his, uh, <laughs> certainly did not forget. But uh, <laughs> I try to I try to filter how many times I bring that up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's never enough in my opinion. But okay, so here we are today. So we have a team that. You know, two years ago was a couple of bounces away from the NBA Finals, possibly. Uh, then they let Jimmy Butler go and bring in Josh Richardson, who I, I was really disappointed. I think I think Josh Richardson was one of those guys that you see a couple times a year and convince yourself he's really, really good. And after seeing him, you know, most days last year, he just didn't fit. And, I, and I'm I'm pretty happy that he's gone. Quite frankly. Everybody wanted Al Horford gone, so I don't think Daryl Morey would have taken the job if he knew he was going to have to explain why Al Horford was still here for the next year. Um, so that worked out. So they've had a lot of addition by subtraction. They've brought in some shooters, kind of running it back like it's 2018 uh, by bringing in Steph Curry, Danny Green. And mm-hmm. um, here's my question to you. Are they better? Are they appreciably better than a fifth or sixth seed right now? I so I think they're appreciably better on the court. I don't know if they'll be appreciate appreciably better from a seed standpoint yet, um, because of the sort of insertion of the Nets. You know, returning KD and Kyrie, and who knows if they have a trade up their sleeve. So so it's possible that they're significantly better than they were last year. 
and still a similar seed. I Can think. I give you a hot take? Yeah, yeah, please. This Nets thing's not going to work out. I think it's, define, I think Kyrie is a disaster. <laughs> What's that? Define not work out. This is not a championship contending team. Okay. It's a good team, yeah. but Kyrie as your leader is a mess. Um, KD is a very, very, very great player with, um, how do I say this in a, in a kind way? Uh, he doesn't have a lot of balls. Uh, he's somebody well, he's, who's very thin-skinned is what I would You're on the, uh, he's a cupcake. cupcake he's thin-skinned. Let's go with thin-skinned. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and I think, you know, there's going to be that old guard, new guard thing where if they're going to keep Dinwiddie and Levert and all those guys, they, they got a taste of being the quote-unquote man. And I think there's just going to be not enough balls to handle that ego. So we, uh, I think this got, thing could blow the, up. We got the coach now who just dealt with the old guard, new guard, superstars who want and get and deservedly get preferential yeah. treatment and the guys who are their prior who don't like it so much. And well, Kyrie said was, he's more the coach than Steve Nash, right? Or they're going to do it together. It just, oh, it just man. seems so toxic to me. So I know I got you off track, but I'm not in, I'm not anointing the nets yet. No, I like off track. So, so let's just let it flow. Yeah. I think I, I agree with you. I don't think they're at a championship level right now, but could, would I be surprised if they were a four seed and the Sixers were a five seed because of Boston, you know, uh, the Heat and maybe the Bucks? So I could see the Sixers at this point having to. It's funny, if this were Brett Brown, he'd be like, I have the 45th version of a team to try to gel, but it's a new coach now and he's, he might have some ramp up. Uh, learning curve in terms of getting mm -hmm. this all to work. There's not like, there's not really any um, primary initiators still on the team, which is at least unique. Well, we're going to talk about that. That's definitely sure. on my agenda here because, uh, you know, I was, if, if I had one desire from free agency, it was an Alec Burks, Trey Burke, but a better version of them. Like DJ Augustine type. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, somebody that, you know, 45 seconds in the game down by three or two, I want to give them the ball and let them create something. And the way Dragic looked in the conference finals. Yeah. 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 I mean, could that be Shake Milton? Maybe. Um, that's, that's, I think, our best hope. And, you know, you know what? Let's, you know, forget about agendas. Forget about it. Let's just get into that right now. So mm -hmm. with 30 seconds left in the game, down by two, what are you doing right now, Coach Dave? Brett Brown um, said, "Put it in Joel Embiid's hands last year." Yeah, I think that's. I think so. One of the one of the other knocks last year was that Josh Richardson was often reluctant to simply dump it down into the post, even when Ben Simmons was out in that first and round. He, and he was a horrible passer. Josh Richardson he, was a terrible passer. Right. I, I've I've seen some podcasts with Daryl Morey where he's talked about. You know, he talked about his old trade where he shipped out the eighth pick. He could have taken Rudy Gay, I think, and he traded it for Shane Battier. And he said, among many, many things that we consider, one of the things was what a good entry passer he was. Yeah. And we had such trouble getting it into Yao Ming in the post. Like, that shouldn't have been so hard for us. And for the Sixers, that's often been this, like, what, you guys literally can't get it to Embiid in the post. <laughs> He's like burrowing and grinding and plowing on a guy like Thies or Cantor 
And then you've got Josh Richardson who just can't make that pass. Yeah. He swings it back to Harris who takes four dribbles and a bad long two. And it was a, you know, a blown possession and it happened over and over. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, it was for that reason. I got crucified on Twitter by saying that I think that the, you know, this was before free agency and the, and the trades and everything that I thought getting Josh Richardson out of Philadelphia was more important than getting Al Horford out. Now I, I just thought that Al Horford was at least playable as a backup and, you know, there would be enough games that Embiid would miss that he'd be valuable, that you could at least use him. I thought Josh Richardson held the team back. I thought his poor shooting, his inconsistent shooting, his awful passing, and his lack of ability to create for anybody else really, really hurt the team last year. Yeah, I'm going to try an analogy. It might be a little bit of a reach, but do you play fantasy football? I do. So I have multiple teams. They they were kind of obsession. like they were kind of like one of those teams where you're you're stocked at one position but you can't start them all, so yeah. you have to lose some value. Like you're gonna have to trade, um, you know, like a good a good wide receiver for just an okay running back. And so I think they had to make mm -hmm. a couple moves like that. And to your point, yeah, Horford is good. He, like he's still good if you surrounded him with what they had in Boston, he would be able to play at that nail or the high post and he'd make some fakes and backdoor yeah. passes. I mean, the contract was abysmal. Period. The contract was abysmal and the fit was terrible, but I agree with you. I think there's still something in there. I, I, I it killed me. Like it hurt me yeah. and I'm not over it. Signing him, watching him get so much, mm. so much work done on his leg over the season prior in Boston was so clear to me. That this guy is going the other way. Yeah. And uh, they bet on on him for the next four years, which was just just staggering. And at that price, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Kind of similar to what the Hornets just gave to uh, Gordon Hayward. I think I think Boston had a lot of addition by subtraction, being able to use that money for other things. But getting back That's to better. I mean, Gordon Hayward was ascending last year. He like there's a chance that he could be playing himself healthier. Horford was clearly yeah. getting less healthy. Anyway. I wouldn't have given Gordon Hayward four years. No way. No, no, I wouldn't either. I'm just saying. No way. But <laughs> you know, getting back to where we were. So, so the question that I asked you is, are they appreciably better? And here's here's let me let me get into that a little bit because yep. I I love Danny Green. I love the idea of Danny Green. I don't love what I saw with the Lakers, but I love what I saw with the Raptors. That's for sure. So if he is mm -hmm. that guy. And I think there's a reasonable chance that he could be that guy again. Um, he hustles like crazy defensively, and he's a good shooter. Um, definitely a good catch-and-shoot guy in the corners. Seth Curry is a fantastic shooter, and I think he mm -hmm. can create a little bit more than we think. He's not mm -hmm. just a stance. He's not Kyle Korver. Um, but I think that I, – I, are they better, though? I mean, that's a skill. To your point, they got some skills that they needed – but what are they still missing? They're still missing shot creation. Uh, yeah. And a go to scorer. Right. Well, they didn't have that last year really either, right? So, yes, I think they are appreciably better just because they'll be able to put some shooters out now. Yeah. Um, and what was a major problem last year, which was not having like a primary half court initiator, I'll, I'll emphasize half court because Ben is an initiator in transition. Um, so yeah, I think they are, um, but because it because the Bucks are are going to be appreciably better with 
your boy Drew Holiday. Um, mm-hmm. And because the Nets will at least be good and not awful, um, I don't know that they made up much ground in the Eastern Conference pecking order yet. Yeah, I think it's one of those things. Um, here's where I th- so here's where I'll take the other side of it. Okay, I thought Brett Brown was was done. He was cooked after the tour. You're over series. him. I, I was over <laughs> Brett. I couldn't watch it anymore. Um, I think that more important, I think the team had tuned him out and I don't think that he had any kind of a strategy to adjust back to when the league adjusted to the Sixers. So I think now you can say what you want about doc blowing three, one leads. Um, you know, I think there's a lot to that and, and we'll worry about that if he gets to a conference final and blows it. But I think that there is a much better chance of unlocking Simmons and Embiid and building a team based on the credibility and the swagger that he has. Um, and I think the experience that he has and the fact that he was a really good NBA guard. And I think Simmons may listen to him. I think that the one thing that I'm fearful of is Ben Simmons fatigue. I saw a video of him shooting the other day. I lost my mind. I'm like, I can't do this again. We can't, (laughs) we can't fall for that again. But but he can't be the same player. He can't come back and be the same player. If it, I think it's this simple. If Ben Simmons comes back as the same player that he was this year, yes, he took a step up on defense. Yes, his free, fro- free throw shooting was slightly better. But he's got to be able to go to the hole and get fouled and do that a lot and not worry about the free throws. And he's got to be able to shoot a shot. I, mm-hmm. I don't care. You can give me all the analytical arguments you want about how he doesn't need to shoot. And it doesn't matter. It, it matters. It matters. Because you have such an advantage having a 6'10 point guard or a 6'10 guy with a ball in his hands if he can create and make a couple of shots. It's it's. You can give me all the I got breaking want, news for you, you if you want, want it. it. Give you it to break. me. The Sixers are signing Ryan Brokoff once again. From the shooter from Dallas. Awesome. From Justin Grasso. There you go. Justin Grasso, previous guest on the Killing Me Smalls podcast. So yeah, yeah. Brokoff, um, well, he's Kyle Corver, but not as yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. He's a good shooter. He he'll he'll, you know, that's him, but not as good. But well, it's no there's no question what Daryl Morey wants. Yes, yeah. He he certainly is aiming to aim. And, and I agree that it would be really, really disappointing if Ben didn't improve, to your point. Yeah. I think that's going to be everything. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be everything. I mean, I do I do buy into Embiid. Um, you know, being there, that was encouraging that Maury said he's been there a couple of days, every day working out. So oh, that's a really, really good thing. Um, I do buy in. All right. So where, you know what? Let's transition here. Dwight okay. Howard, did one, did that shock you? And where were you when you saw the Woj bomb or the Shams bomb? And two, uh, one of our mailbag questions is, what do you think his role is in terms of minutes per game? I was I was sitting in a lawn chair I have in my room. Okay. And I was watching the show Babylon Berlin on Netflix, which is excellent. So like a, it's a German show, 1920s based. Definitely recommend it to anyone listening. Got it. And I I'll got and I got the list. bomb and I sent it to my friends on a group chain of like four or five buddies who we have long 
had debates about Dwight Howard <laughs> um, going like going back to his Orlando and Rockets and you know everything else. Um, and so uh, I, I'm good with it. I I was of the camp where I said um, obviously they should keep they should run it back. They'll get a big mid level exception. Keep Jimmy Butler. And people were saying, what do you do about Embiid? And then I said, look, you go get guys like JaVale McGee, Thies, Baines, Dwight. These guys go for four million bucks or less. Yeah. Cantor. I, I would do what Maury has talked about doing now, which is back up by committee, especially if we can f make it like Ben Simmons time. I want the backup minutes to be Ben Simmons time where it's him looking like the guy his rookie year, surrounded by shooters, beating LeBron James in a game to lock up the three seed. And I think it was just a travesty that they didn't do more of that. Like, you know, yeah, I years more. I'm looking forward to some time in the third quarter where it's Simmons at the five, shake at the one Curry at the two, Danny green at the three and maybe broke off at the four and let's go. And let's go. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I would love to look, see it because those guys are all better than Bellinelli. If you're keep, if you're keeping these two, and it sounds like they are, then the very simple solution to they're not seamlessly complementary players, Joel and Ben, which is true, and that's fair, and I get it. But the obvious solution to that is Joel plays 63 regular season games out of 82. If the season's 73 games, he plays less. And then that means there's a lot of games for Ben to shine the way we see him shine when they're on the road without Ben or Boban in Oklahoma or Martin Luther King Day in Brooklyn. And he just looks like a tier one superstar, two-way superstar. And they can do that if they put shooters around him. It's kind of funny. It looks like they're a team of all twos and fives. There's your fantasy team. Yeah, right? You I actually like the Tony Bradley signing. I think he's punt, got a lot of upside. Punt free throw percentage or punt running backs. Yeah, tight there ends. you go. Um, <laughs> so this was another mailbag question. Five minutes left in the left to go in a tight game. Who's your five that you want to see on the court right now? I mean, if there's no more changes. Five, all right. So Joel and Ben, um, Tobias at the four, I guess Ben at the, I don't know, three, four, it doesn't matter what we're calling him for on offense. We're on offense here, right? Yeah. Well, if we're not I'm taking Tobias out. Maybe <laughs> just give me your five people. It doesn't matter who it is. You know? Okay. Most yeah, game, five, five minutes, minutes left. Go, leave these guys Tobias, in. Ben, Joel. I'm going to roll with Danny mm -hmm. for the experience in the defense. Mm -hmm. I mean, even when even when we, you and I were disappointed in him in the bubble, he was shooting 34%. So that's yeah. like... Well, he's willing to shoot it. And he's he, willing to shoot. And he gets it up. He's good at the Quick release. So, so that's kind of Covington-like, what we're used to. He's a better um, defender than Covington on the ball, anyway. Well, maybe on the ball, but not overall. I'm going to take Covington on not over, not in team defense, but you know, Covington was on an a guard, rated on, a, on yeah. the ball defender. That's fair. Um, but so as who's your as our fifth? guy Jackson or, uh, would say, uh, he's he's like a wizard off the ball in terms of reading a D. Yeah. But anyway, I don't want to go down the Covington road. No, no, we don't have to do that. So you're down to Shake and and uh, Curry for your fifth player. I'm gonna go with Curry for the fifth. Wow. I think his his shooting and his experience. Um, I think between Ben and Joel, we can 
uh, manufacture an open look. But, you know, someone's going to get doubled. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to get doubled. Ben's going to make the right pass. He'll throw the lob. He'll kick it out to the right guy. He can do the swing pass. Joel obviously can command a double. And with this type of shooting, he could probably make the first read for once. He's he's I've rarely been had a chance to make the first read and just kick it out to the the man who has left him. You know. I have an interesting uh, lineup that that I'd like to see. Um, mm-hmm. I'd really like to see Shake at the one, Curry at the two, um, then Tobias at the. I'm sorry, Tobias at the three, Ben at the four, Joe at the five. I know Tobias isn't a great three, and that doesn't matter to me, but all five of those guys can create something and, for the most part, create a shot for themselves. And, you know, Curry actually can create a little bit more than we would expect. I mean, I think there's, I've seen a lot of Curry, JJ Reddick comparisons, and the difference is Curry can dribble a little bit. And I think that's going to be very, very helpful. Do he doesn't that one? he doesn't sprint around in the half court and pull multiple defenders around picks. No, they're different but players. He, but he can dribble a little bit. So he's got his strengths and weaknesses between the two. Wouldn't he can be play a little more they, defense than JJ, which isn't saying a lot, but his, his synergy defense is surprisingly good. Um I'm not yeah. saying he's a good defender, but I'm not saying he's a horrible defender. If you go on and look for guys who are elite catch and shoot players who can maybe defend a pick and roll. Uh, what's the old joke about Steve Kerr? Like he's good outside the three-point line on both ends of the court. Mm-hmm. I think Seth might type, you know, he might fit that mold. Here's my question with all the money out there. This might be, I'm, I'm really, the only thing I'm worried about with Seth Curry, and I was at that game last year when the Mavericks came in and, and beat the Sixers, one of their mm-hmm. two home losses. Yeah, they played and the he zone. Looked, he looked great, the zone, yeah. And he looked great. I'm just worried that he's one of those guys that if we watch him every day, we might realize why he's only getting eight million dollars a year instead of twenty. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, we got we got Josh Richardson, and yep. we we had the you know what you said earlier. You said I think he might be an underrated playmaker. We said I said the exact same things about Josh. Mm. Um, you know, he, maybe he could do. More. He was often their primary initiator in Miami, and then we got yeah. him here, and we we're like, oh no 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 no. <laughs> so. He he also has some has the injury thing sometimes you know he's uh, he's not always a hundred percent. So free agency is not finished. Obviously, there's still some players out there. But as I look through the list, I don't see any that fit the bill of what I was talking about. Sort of that Trey Burke, but better. Who uh, who, who you read me read me some names? Well, somebody had. Uh, one of the mailbag questions was Shabazz Napier. Your thoughts about him? I kind of like bringing Wayne Ellington in, but I guess it's kind of like that Spider-Man meme, right? Where the two guys that are exactly the same, you know, Wayne Ellington I, like a lot of guys on the team, but I, I do like him. Yeah, um, if you, I think they probably just chose Brokoff over a Wayne Ellington. You can't go for Wayne Ellington anyway because probably. the Knicks gave him eight million bucks, and he's really like a two million dollar talent at this point. But he's he's unrestricted. I mean, you can give him two million if no one else is giving him two million. Oh, oh okay. I didn't. So yeah. they declined. I guess they declined his second year yes. option. Yes. A team option. Got it. Um, um, yeah, but I don't I have the rest of the Spider-Man. list in front of me. But I've been looking at it over the last couple of days. There's there's nobody that you know that I'm super excited about. So to me, if you're going to get that kind of player, it's going to be through a trade. They I don't have think, a lot of trade assets left. No, I, I would. I would. 
definitely prefer Napier there. I think Napier um, provides a little bit less of the shooting as a guy like Brokoff, but certainly more ball handling and playmaking. He's got a nice little pull-up bank shot I've seen. Yeah. Um, which is my favorite shot in pickup game. So yeah, I mean, we're talking about the 12th guy on the bench. I mean, it's not there's not right. a guy out there that could be a sixth or seventh man that that would spark the team. The only uh, reason this is so role. interesting is because we're gonna be like, they kept a roster spot open for X and they let Zaire Smith go, and that's gonna haunt us. <laughs> Do you really think so? I, I, I never saw I never saw the whole Zaire thing. I mean, even even in limited minutes, I was thinking like eh, very meh to me. You right. really think no, that they're going to regret that? I actually hope they do because I'm a fan of his. He seems um, like a great kid and he's been through a lot. I just, as a, you know, a 6'2 shooting guard, um, you know, when you had a chance to get Mikel Bridges, uh, I, I, I regret that one for sure. And I, I regretted it that night too. I loved getting the extra pick and, you know, it's interesting if you go back and do revisionist history, which Sixers fans are known for, and you and I did it at the beginning of the podcast. If you don't make that trade, you're probably not making the Tobias trade because you needed that pick to do it. Hmm. Yeah, this takes us down a much better path. I, it I liked it does. I liked from a speaking of revisionist, I liked it from a process standpoint. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like I liked their thinking, the 2021 pick. We thought it would be like the quote double draft where high school kids yeah. are eligible. Yep. And a lot of teams thought that too. So that that pick had a lot of market value. And then Brett let it slip that that was our part of our thinking and analysis in Star Hunting. Yeah. And then the league was like, oh, we don't want that. Maybe, maybe it'll be 2023. Sorry. And so then the pick lost a lot of its value. And I will say that night I thought they made that deal because they thought they were going to be able to use it in Covington and whatever else to go get Kawhi Leonard. Then I was Kawhi, yeah, I'm sure that it. was I'm sure their board was like Kawhi, Paul George. Butler, Clay Thompson, you know, and Kawhi was obviously the the top banana if you could get him. I would have thought that Brett Brown with his pipeline to pop would have had the conversation of, look, go get that pick and here's what we'll do. And uh, that did not happen. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, all, I thought about the same thing myself and I guess pop just really wanted to compete and didn't understand the value of Covington. Thought he needed a guy who takes a million pull-up twos. <laughs> I thought Covington was more valuable to have than DeRozan, to be honest. Maybe that's a hot well, take. Well, especially at his age and contract, he would have been. But his contract was sick, and he plays serious D, and he shoots yeah. threes. And, and now uh, somebody just got two first-round picks for him. Houston, that's interesting, yeah. right? Yeah. Hashtag wow. Sam Hinkie memes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dave, this has been awesome. You are going to have to come back on this podcast because you're a lot of fun to talk to. I think you have a lot of, you know, your your Twitter uh, handle again is? Uh, David Early, D-A-V-I-D-E-A-R-L-Y. Thank you. Yeah, this you is do a lot a great of fun. Job. I love your, I've, I've corresponded with you for a while about a lot of your interviews and your articles. And I think there's a lot of synergy between the guys that I work with on the Painted Lines and Liberty Ballers. I think it's a lot of quality content and I would recommend everybody check them both out. And you can, of course, follow me um, by looking at this podcast on YouTube under The Painted Lines or by subscribing to the Killing Me Smalls podcast on 
Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I would also appreciate a Twitter follow at Real Mike Small because fake ones are not going to give you this high quality. A great guest like Dave Early. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Dave, thanks for joining. Everybody yeah, have an awesome Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. All right. Take care.